0: Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720 6 Nerds 5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Georges Genti, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcasts. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast, Denver Pop Culture Con 2021 and beyond. I am Ryan, coming to you in another Zoom meeting with Zach, Brad, and Corinne.
1: Hello. I swear we're getting back to these together someday.
0: Yes. Mm. Next week, I think we'll be back together. Um, Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. Uh, This week... It was Honest Thief with Liam Neeson. He, he's a thief with a particular set of skills is what I heard.
2: I heard the skills are honesty.
0: Yes. I feel bad. This is the second time in three weeks I've been stuck at work. And I only have, like, because they only show it four or five times a day now. And so I have to see it before I can. Go, I have to go back to work. But I, I bought a ticket to go see it Saturday. But I got off work at 530 in the morning on saturday and then i woke up at ten fifty three, and i go hmm not gonna make it
1: <laughs> well that just means that you're on movie choosing probation you will not be choosing our movies
0: yeah well i mean i don't know what else to uh choose from this week but yeah you're right <laughs> it's good That's thing okay, we're doing a full explosion
3: i didn't see it either so
2: all right zach and brad reviewing a movie let's do this <laughs> well, i kind of wish i didn't
0: you know this Damn COVID thing, because even um, AMC during the week they're not closed, but they only have like two or three
1: showings a day.
2: They they open at like what two or three or four, like somewhere around that range, and yeah. they close early. Yeah. Some
1: theaters aren't even open Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. So
2: yep, yep.
0: So what are you going to do? But anyways, we also talk about movies we've watched throughout the week, movie news, and Blu-rays are coming out. Did you uh, guys score any Amazon Prime sweetness?
2: um cuz I shop no. local now.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no, but yes.
2: <laughs> Not this year, but you told me what you got. I mean, there was just nothing on the list that, that appealed to me, but you showed me what you got, Ryan, and I liked it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got um I got Scooby-Doo the complete series. It's normally mm-hmm. like 80 bucks and on Prime Day it was 29. And uh I got the uh Marx Brothers uh, remastered and restored collection for $14. So, the, only,
2: the only thing better would have been to shoot an elephant in your pajamas. And how he got in your pajamas, I'll never know.
0: <laughs> see, guys, that's a Marx Brothers jokes. Anybody out there? Hello?
2: Yeah. Any? Hello, kids? Kids, are you listening? Ha
4: ha
3: ha, I get it now.
2: Uh-huh, yeah, see, see, Groucho Marx was fucking hilarious and nobody else could top him. And uh, yeah, I'll shut up now. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs>
0: Um, so hey Brad can we still visit stuff around town or has things shut down
1: Uh there's a couple things still going strong Cool we'll take us Hey film buddies follow me around Denver Uh yeah the uh 88 drive-in is still running um you didn't find this out last week because i didn't post the episode in time but they had a new lineup of labyrinth dracula and resident evil the final chapter uh 32 um, dracula uh, uh francis ford coppola dracula oh okay um, the
3: good one uh,
1: That's good. we'll discuss that later
3: uh, i'm like jonathan
2: harker <laughs>
1: So that's what's playing at the 88 drive-in, and by the time this episode comes out, they'll probably have a new one. Um, So, Check your local local listings. (laughs) Just go to 88, the number, drive and you can stay current and don't have to wait for me to post episodes. Um, I think they're going to go through Halloween, so there might be a trunk or treat thing going on. I think uh, the owner was saying they wanted to do a double feature again, but we'll see.
2: Ooh it double feature and then the shape of water for the adults. That.
1: <laughs> I don't think they're going to, it's definitely going to have a family friendly, something in front of that. Cause now I'm
2: got to watch some fish fucking. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Um, I think the holiday twin has a lineup. They just haven't posted it yet. So, um, they're, they're still doing like concerts and things. So, uh, that's, that's it. Um, Yeah. Right on. If I had posted episodes on time, you would have heard about the 48-hour film project's greetings last week. And uh, so you missed that too.
2: Yeah. I I ended up doing something on, I ended up having work on Thursday night. Otherwise, I would have attended, but I'm sorry.
1: Uh, Did you not get the message that they were available Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and for the remainder of tonight?
2: I did not get that message.
1: So you have until midnight to jump in and and vote for Spotlight. Okay. And how
3: do we do that, Brad? I will
2: cancel all plans after this podcast.
1: Go to watch.eventive.org and type in Denver 48 HFP screenings in the search bar and A, B, and C will pop up. Um, If you just want to watch Spotlight, go to B, pay 10 bucks, and once the screening is over, click on the block that has spotlight in the scroll menu and then go back to the screen and choose if it's your third, second or first choice.
2: I need to, I, I guess I'll do that tonight. And then I, I need to try to see if I could support the Albuquerque one. Cause I know Chad was trying to get that promoted too. So
1: yeah, I saw a post that said he uh, wasn't getting the uh, uh, sales,
2: mm-hmm. which sucks. Cause he took on the task of doing, doing that and that's you know it's something that i know he was trying to pass the torch on So,
1: well that's his home uh group now so it's it's weird that people who made the movies aren't buying the tickets to watch their movies so that's
2: that is a little bizarre but but best of best of the, best of the world best of the luck in the world to chad for taking on those those things while doing his own podcast and such so
4: yeah cool.
1: anyway that's what's going on around town Or what Uh, went on around town.
0: Yeah, Zach, uh, movie news is slim Pickens this week. Why don't you tell us about it? It's real
2: news. Well, guys, did you want a prequel to Grease? And did you want it to be a series? No. Well, too bad you're getting it, Corinne. Um, And not only are you getting it, but it moved from HBO Max to Paramount Plus Sign. Jesus. I still hate that name. You know um, There, there
0: to... is there is money for this. You don't call it Grease whatever. You call it Summer Lovin' and it takes place over the summer when Danny and Sandy meet.
2: So, Ryan, that's what I thought it was going to be and I don't know if that's really what it is but it, the original name was going to be called Grease Rydale High which kind of seems a little redundant because we all know where they fucking go to school but now it's called Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies. Um, nope. So, yeah. That's... It will focus on the rise of the jacket-wearing girl gang, the Pink Ladies, and track how Sandy, Rizzo, Jan, Marty, and Frenchie came together and how their reverence, fear, and moral panic they sparked changed Rydale High forever. Uh, Why don't they
0: call it summer lovin'? I mean, I think that's a better idea.
2: You know, Ryan, that kind of happened so fast. And, um, and I had me a blast with that uh, little joke I just made.
0: I guess my freaking, Ew. I guess my TV series title isn't very good.
2: I, I would have loved a sequel series called Grease Tell Me More. That, I think that would have been fun. But no, we're not going to get there. Nope. Zach,
0: my summer loving didn't get very far.
2: No. <laughs> I didn't put up a fight. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but, uh huh, Do doo, uh huh. But moving on from Paramount Plus Sign to Apple TV Plus Sign, uh, it looks like they're going to be putting out a, pe- a new Peanut special and a sand- 70th anniversary documentary. Uh, coming to the service, along with all the Peanuts Holiday Classics. Um, so if you were wanting your Peanuts fixed, you've got to go to Apple Plus. Um, you or you know' just
0: on the Blu-ray like I do, and you're good to go.
2: You know, we're going to talk about that and what we've been watching, because I, I had a little bit of a rowdy bow with my folks regarding um, the Great Pumpkin, but we will chat about that later. Um, and <laughs> this is not so much a news, but I just thought this was very uh, adorable, Um, There is this article that said that Adam Sandler was worried he'd ruin Punch Drunk Love. (laughs) And uh, he he said, apparently Paul Thomas Anderson told him he loved Billy Madison. And then that kind of got the conversation going. He said, but then honest to God, I was like 11 in the morning and I had nothing to do. And Magnolia came on and I said, I think that's this kid's movie, Paul Thomas Anderson. um, And I'm going to go see that. It was sold out. I was in the front row and I was looking up at it and I was fucking terrified. I was going, oh, this guy better is better is fucking better than me. I don't want to be in this. I'm going to ruin his movie. Holy shit. Um, as we all know, Punch Drunk Love is an American classic that everybody adores and they all praise Adam Sandler in, in one of his finest performances. So that's kind of a nice little thing. Shows and he, he left out
0: the part where he talked to Tom Cruise.
2: Yeah, yeah, that is true. He, there was also the part of talking to Tom Cruise within that. Um, so it was it was basically a Ryan story that only.
0: That's <laughs> a great story.
2: Yeah, it is. The, the I only... think the
0: headline was clickbait for me because it said, Ryan Frost, read this story.
2: <laughs> You're like, Jesus, that seems oddly specific. <laughs> um, at the end of that interview, though, he did say waggity doo. Um, and uh, we'll move on. Ryan, you know that Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot that we've been uh, talking about and kind of all the shit it's going through. We got like a teaser poster for it and uh it honestly looks like uh it, it looks it looks interesting, but it also looks like it's just something to distract from the fact that they've been delayed on making it. <laughs> you know, it looks
0: like uh the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the Beginnings one. Yeah with it's weird.
2: It's, it's weird right and it also but it also looks super smeary and whatnot i do think it looks creepy i just it's kind of like okay but we've seen what Leatherface looks like this skin <laughs> you're not offering anything new um but that being said i'm still down to watch the movie because I, I think the only one i haven't seen is um the most most recent one the not chainsaw 3d but Leatherface, and it was like them in an orphanage or something i can't remember what the plot was supposed
0: nope, to be i can let you borrow it you, you own it i do
2: oh you, you're you're more loyal than i am um,
0: uh, no you know a lot of times when i mean i had really no desire to see it but if you hold out on movies like that at best buy eventually they'll drop to like
2: 4.99 i think i felt burned after chainsaw 3d because i went, the moment she said get them because report before the credits rolled i was like fuck this shit. <laughs> walked out um but yeah no we'll see what's going on with it i i re-watched the chainsaw movies last week and i enjoyed watching the first two so um we'll move on to another serial killer dexter's getting a revival uh at showtime for a limited series uh, michael c hall will be returning and they're hoping to use it as a second finale to right the wrongs of the original ending which as anybody here besides me a dexter watcher
3: I watched a couple of episodes back in season one it wasn't really for me
2: okay ryan and brad
1: yeah i, I got a couple of episodes into season one it, i didn't fall out because i didn't like guys didn't i just lost interest
2: mm.
1: and then it dropped off on of netflix
0: yeah for i've sure. seen it and
2: it's okay yeah they, i liked the first uh two seasons i fell off but then caught back up when they had the trinity killer and then I uh, fell off a bit, but I caught back up and the ending is garbage. So I would love for them to kind of rework that because it just, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's like there's a there's an ending for Dexter in some way where he ends up that I just didn't approve of. I'm like, this seems like horseshit. But um, thankfully they'll have a chance to kind of rectify that if possible. Um, I think the biggest news of the week is that it sounds like, in response to the question, "Will uh, major studios be buying out movie theaters anytime soon?" The response is, "No, but we're rooting for them."
1: <laughs> this is. I don't believe that for a second.
2: This, this, well, yeah, Ryan. I'm sorry, Brad. First of all, you're correct because, like that, that, when I read that, I was just like, "Well, this is a very telling statement," because you're mm-hmm. using pandering language, but also. I was just like this. This doesn't. This this looks terrible. This is this is exactly what has been feared because they're of course they're going to deny it until they do it. So best of luck as we pick away at your corpse. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very interesting impression of Bob Iger, Brad.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
2: um, uh, there was a th- there was a a quote. Um, it, it, there's just it just seems like I don't know this i don't know what to make of it at this point like with the paramount decree gone technically it is open game but it says like i know that with that with that decree being shut down there's supposed to be like a two-year like stop gap or something before they're able to actually do it so um i don't know i mean ryan do you have any thoughts or have you already kind of exhausted that <laughs> Those i'm sorry, I the question oh uh about um the movie studios saying that they're not going to uh they said in the press that they're not going to buy movie theaters, but that they're rooting for them. <laughs> Basically, the bottom line is, is that the studios are saying that they're not interested in buying up the movie theaters that are struggling right now, but that they're rooting for them, which seems like an indicator that eventually down the line that they're going to actually purchase them because this is the statement you make to sound good <laughs> before you start buying up the chain to feel like the savior. So, uh,
3: Yeah, if they I- really wanted them to succeed, they would put out movies.
2: Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I I, I just kind of rolled my eyes at the at the article because I was like, really, real that that why don't you just not say anything? <laughs> but no, not possible apparently. So here's hoping that. Well, you know what? We're rooting for movie theaters, and we don't have the money to buy them up, so we are actually rooting for them. Um, and then, well, last- I
3: bet that whenever they do buy them up, they're gonna they're going to spin it so that they look like the heroes like oh the movie industry would have died if we hadn't swooped in and saved it
2: well that's the, that's what i was just saying like they're they're saying a statement that they, that makes them sound like they're admirable for rooting for them and then when it actually becomes an issue they're going to swipe in and save them and use that as a way to kind of clout their that they're their heroics but in in actuality this is how a business works you start off by going like no we're, we're rooting for you and then they're going to swipe it later so um so yeah this is this is frustrating but we'll see how it develops and carries on i know that new york's opened up a couple theaters but we'll see what um what happens from there and then lastly we had a death of a uh, another um golden age hollywood icon Rhonda Fleming, um, a popular sex symbol in Hollywood Westerns, film noir and adventure movies in the forties and fifties died Wednesday in Santa Monica, California. She was 97. Um, she was in such films as a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, uh, gunfight at the okay corral. And she was in a Bob Hope movie that I like called the great lover. Um, but yeah, she was a, um, she was, she was very much a technicolor queen cause she had that striking bright red hair and, uh, but yeah, ninety-seven life well lived, um, and uh, she will be missed. Ryan, have you seen a Rhonda Fleming movie before?
0: Uh, I don't. Maybe I don't know. Re- refresh me on what she's been in.
2: Um, she's mainly been in a lot of stuff in the '40s and '50s, and like I like I just said, Connecticut Yankee, and King Arthur's Court, and The Great Lover. Um, but she. Uh, uh sorry, I was trying to pull up my the rest of her filmography because i haven't watched that many things with her but the one i remember her from was the great lover um i'm trying to see if she did anything with carrie grant that i'm not aware of (laughs) um well she is she is in spellbound but she's not in it for very long because it's one of her first credited films Mm -hmm. so yes ryan you have technically seen a Rhonda fleming movie she's the patient at the beginning
0: oh okay yeah
2: yeah uh, and then also the spiral staircase, Pony Express in 1953, Slightly Scarlet, Out of the Past with Robert Mitchum. Um, she had a she had, she had a long, nice, interesting life. So um, I I almost forgot she was in Spellbound until Secret History of Hollywood posted uh, an obit for her, and I looked her up and I'm like, oh, that's right. She that's her first real credited role. And they talk about in the documentary in Spellbound how she uh, how like that was her first movie. Like they talk about it for like a brief like little separate feature. So um, so yeah, but anyway, that's news unless I missed anything.
3: There is one more piece of news. Not good. Jeff Bridges has announced that he is uh, has been diagnosed with lymphoma. He announced been... it on Twitter a couple of hours ago. He said uh... that although it is a serious disease, I feel fortunate that I have a great team of doctors and the progno- prognosis is good. I'm starting treatment and will keep you posted on my recovery.
2: Yeah, I'm that, I would not like to see Jeff Bridges go this year. That would, be, uh, that would be rather depressing on top of everything that we've already had to deal with. I do not. Not to bring up a film that James doesn't like mentioned on this show, but I would not like the dude to go that way.
0: Yeah, that's news. Hey, what's coming out on Blu-ray next week? We're going to tell you.
2: DVD
4: releases and Blu-rays.
2: Well, um, Brad, you're getting Back to the Future of the trilogy in 4K, right? Just as soon as Best Buy's
1: website switches over from shipping to buy in store.
2: Okay. Well, uh, while you wait, uh, because you, you've got a chance to get to, looks like some pretty neat old steel books out of this too, because uh, they all form the DeLorean in different time frames. So
1: I'm actually going to get the uh, the book version. Really? Yeah. the because I, I have the Blu-ray as a, as a steel book, so I think I'm gonna switch it up and do a kind of the, uh, the cardboard sleeve book version, just a, a little more compact and different.
2: Right on. Well, you got to have some variety in your collection. That's why I have a steel book of Halloween, a regular of Halloween, and a two box sets of Halloween. So I understand. Um, Ryan, this is the one that I wanted to ask you about the paramount classics as we know has been putting out some of their other films and new transfers um they did to catch a thief they did airplane they did pretty in pink why is john debont's the haunting uh uh on this list of things we needed to restore
0: uh because owen wilson loses his head in it
2: oh wow <laughs> that's right oh, wow um well if you have never seen 1999's the haunting with liam neeson owen wilson uh then
3: and Catherine zeta jones
2: Catherine zeta jones lily taylor and bruce Dern for like a hot second and a half uh you can uh, pick that up on blu-ray if you'd like i I do like the design for the cover but just i don't remember liking that movie at all
1: (laughs) has anyone done a youtube video of that scene from the haunting where he does get his head knocked off and just put um the wow sound instead of like a skull crushing sound
2: <laughs> no but I'll Ryan, look for it. Brad I think we've got a mission now
1: <laughs> yeah I'm going to start editing it right now
2: this, this, is, this is what the real nerds has been building up for for 8 to 9 years now is to fucking make this video
1: <laughs> That's how we fly, uh, finally blow up
2: oh wow Owen oh, Wilson's going to be like yeah I really like your podcast you really put my role in the haunting into new perspective it was like wow <laughs> um, come on Liam we got
1: to get out of here
4: wow,
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> it trails off it has to trail off yeah <laughs> um uh and then it looks like shouts coming out shout and scream are coming out with some things um if you've never gotten pumpkin head on scream factory blu-ray you can now get it in a pretty neat looking steel book i gotta say that looks like a lot of fun and since i don't own Pumpkinhead head on scream Factory's edition i will probably pick that up um and from Shout Select, you can pick up Adaptation, the Nicolas Cage um movie, uh, that I, I haven't watched in a while, but I did I'm worth a revisit for it. Um there's a new Tremors movie called Tremors Shrieker Island. Um it's coming to Blu-ray and digital. If you want to check it out, you can. Um there's a Gregory Peck movie coming from Criterion called The Gunfighter from 1950. Um I have not seen this, Ryan. Maybe this is one we need to pick up blind and watch it because Gregory Peck's fun to watch. Uh, Every day. Yep. Oh yeah. And then Kino Lorber's putting out "Outside the Law" with Lon Chaney and Priscilla Dean. It's a Todd Browning film. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty good. Um, and then Boris Karloff in "The Ape" from 1940. This, Ryan, this looks like fun. It's a man. Um, it's it's a man who I'm assuming is supposed to be the Karloff character in a white mustache but brown hair. And then an ape is behind him behind bars. I have a feeling this ape is up to no good. Um, nice. we, will, uh, we will definitely have to see what happens. And then some more uh, Todd Browning from Keena Lorbor is uh, Drifting from 1923. It also includes the movie White Tiger. Uh, and this has Anime Wong in it. And she's an actress that if you have not looked up, you should look up. She has a very interesting career in Hollywood. Um, and then, "Picture Mommy Dead" from 1966 with Donna Amici, Martha Meyer, and Zsa Zsa Gabor. <clears throat> um, this is—I'm—I'm uh, I'm curious. i want to see this plot here. There's no synopsis for "Picture Mommy Dead," but I like that title, and Donna Amici is really cool, you know. So I, will, I will, he can break dance when he has alien powers. Fun fact. Um, and then, Mickey's Christmas Carol is getting a Blu-ray release. Um, <gasps> Yeah, yeah. Ryan, is this one you'll be picking up or do you already have it anyway?
0: Uh, I already have it on Blu-ray.
2: Okay. Well, then
3: this is one that I could pick well, up. Well, I for. might be picking it up then.
2: Why not, Karen? Why don't we both pick it up and then we'll we'll compare our copies.
0: You uh, should. It's uh wonderful. Oh yeah, uh, short.
2: It this is that's one that the video we we used to have a video rental place in our local Safeway and we would rent that and the Simpsons holiday special, which was the first episode of the show, uh, we would rent those tapes constantly as kids. So, um, And then lastly is uh, Warner Archive is putting out Sunrise at Campobello, uh, which is a uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt-centered film uh, directed by uh, Vincent J. Donahue, written by Dory Sherry, and has Ralph Bellamy and Greer Garson in it, along with Hume Cronin, um, everybody's favorite Hume Cronin, So if you want to check out Sunrise at Campobello, you should. Sounds like fun. And that is Blu-rays.
1: I'm sorry. I was looking at the Owen Wilson thing. Did you get the uh, Miyazaki stuff?
3: What
2: Miyazaki No, I saw those. I thought those were reissues. That's why I didn't bother with them.
1: Well, they're beautiful steelbook (laughs) reissues. It's new.
2: I get it. I get it, Brad. I'm terrible. Picture (laughs) Mommy
1: Dead came out years ago.
0: uh, Zach, have you seen the... uh, those steel books, like in person, they're stunning.
1: I know. I wish I didn't already own those movies, because I would buy those them. Do,
2: those do look really lovely. The ones you are going to be able to get—I apologize for this indiscretion—the ones that I see here are *My Neighbor Totoro* and *Princess Mononoke*. Yeah. So yeah, those are cool.
1: And then your name has a steel book, but that's not Miyazaki.
2: Yeah. no. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Corinne. I did not mean to downplay what would be your favorite parts of the Blu-ray segment. Oh my
3: gosh! Your <laughs> name has a steel book. Okay, I might have to buy this. And
0: it's freaking beautiful too.
3: Oh shit!
2: Got clouds and something falling from the sky, and two people I, in the cloud.
3: Yep, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: What does this cloud mean? Find out in your name. I I you, am not. You making should. Money. You really should. That
3: movie that. is so good.
2: Yeah, I I, I should. Jeez, man! Yeah, I should I should watch this movie. I've heard enough about it.
3: Damn it, making me want to rewatch it.
2: All right.
4: Did that... you uh,
1: Did you also talk about Scare Package? Scare. It's a Shutter original. Ryan, have you seen it?
0: No, I've not. Yeah, I have. That's uh, I actually have it coming because it's um, it's one of the movies I saw at Telluride Horror Fest last year.
1: Is it good? It.
0: Yeah, it's pretty fun.
1: <laughs> As um, an endorsement.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was the best movie I saw there. Um, it's an anthology and it's pretty funny and it's pretty gory. Um, the cover looks good. It, so I'm curious it about it. Like.
1: Yeah. I'd like to check it out. The cover looks great.
0: Oh yeah. It's it, like, it's pretty great. Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously low budget, but it has a lot of horror, uh, icons in it. And the stories are pretty funny. Um, uh, the the director of it went on to direct a couple more movies. I haven't had a chance to watch him yet, but he has one called Beyond the Pill Door. And uh yeah, I mean it's a fun movie. I'll, I'll I'll let you check it out for sure. It's one of those things where I pre ordered it because um it was only twelve dollars and I wanted to support like, you know, an independent filmmaker that had it show at Telluride. Yeah. Kind of my thing. Because I also got one that I saw there um last year called Porno. And it's, a, uh, it's,
2: a, it's an anthology, RAM?
0: Uh, scare package is.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, scare package. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, it's Noah Segan's, uh listed on there.
1: That's. If you cool. don't know the rules, you'll never make it out alive.
0: The the big uh, horror icon in it is Joe Bob Briggs is in it.
2: I you it's... know I need to catch up on Joe Bob Briggs and I but I haven't touched my Shutter account in a while so but he's fun so. I'd like to
1: see this movie now. Parasite Criterion comes out next next week.
2: Next, next I will
0: week. say that when I saw that at Telluride, they uh, have three um, places now where you can see films. Mm-hmm. And the biggest place you can watch it is at um, in the high school. They opened up the uh, or It's not. I guess it's a performing arts theater. Something like 500 seats. And when I went and saw the scare package there, it was jam-packed and people were um, laughing and cheering and stuff so it was a pretty fun experience
2: yeah are you, Ryan are you a Joe Bob Briggs fan uh, he's all right okay I, I I didn't know if I was the only one here who had watched him or not because because it since it's on Shudder I didn't know if you were
0: constantly well I used to that. watch him because I'm way older than you Zach I used to watch him he was on USA um I think he's on introducing... TNT.
2: really okay I did I don't know the much of this history beyond like what I've seen on Shudder so but I like him so
0: I mean, Brad's old enough. I, I mean, I used to watch him on uh, USA, and um, after he would come on, there was like some like girl in a 90 who would be USA up all night, and they would show horror films on
1: that too. I thought he was uh, on TNT,
0: or maybe TNT. You might be right. I can't
1: remember. There was a USA up all night, but the, I, th- yeah, I thought he was on TNT, which God. I spotted him like flip through channels, but I never like, you know, I wasn't really into that stuff
2: then, so. This is why I love listening to old folks tell old stories from the olden days because it they just—they
0: they used to only up. show movies on cable,
1: <laughs> and cable was just a bunch of screens that you had to flip through, and you, you didn't have little <laughs> titles come up and tell you what's the lineup for the whole, you know. You, you next got, wait, Brad, to did days. you used to
0: stop on the TV guide channel and watch it to see what was coming up? I used to all the time. <laughs> Do you okay, had a TV I'm, guide channel. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm not that old that I don't. Re- I'm not that young that I don't remember the TV guide channel. <laughs> that's not (laughs) explicitly to you guys
1: (laughs) it was like channels 1 through 13 and then like 14 through 17 were just static and like blurry distorted hbo and then it was like 40 through 80 you know disney and comedy central
2: yeah i remember comedy central being like 23 or 28 for us but anyway Yeah. Uh, yeah
1: Yeah, you had, you had to flip through each screen to see what was on. You didn't just like bring up a guide that told you where to find stuff.
2: Hold on, keep talking about this
1: old shit while I give you a soundtrack. And then you just stop somewhere.
2: Yeah. They, you, did that is you, what you found. Would you call all this channel switching and uh, flipping around surfing? Like, were you surfing on that? Thing, you know? It can be
1: described as surfing. Like it's not like liquid, but um, that's a good <laughs> yeah. slang term for it.
2: Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. You know, it's kind of like it, it's kind of like spinning the dial on your radio. I gotcha. I only understand things in radio terms, so I have to connect the two somehow. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, so in radio, it's wavelength surfing.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's uh dial surfing is is what they would call it. So, um, but anyway, that's news
0: and Blu-rays. <laughs> All right. Time to tell everyone what we've been watching this week.
2: So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching.
0: Corinne, I'm going to start with you as long as it's no fucking blacklist. If you're going to say blacklist, I'm just going to skip it.
3: Yeah. So I actually, uh, don't have a lot. I've just, uh, been watching Kim's Convenience. Um, just finished season three. So I have one more season to go. It's still a really good show. Um, I do feel like, season one really uh, stood out in terms of just, like, uniqueness of storylines, and now I think in, like, season two and three, they've started to move into kind of typical comedy tropes of, like, oh, the classic misunderstanding between, like, this thing and this other thing, and it's like, oh, okay, but, you know, the characters are so likable that you just keep watching, and Uh, I think this cast is phenomenal. So I highly recommend everybody check out Kim's Convenience on Netflix. Uh, I'll report back with season four next time. And then I watched Pride and Prejudice with Zach. We did a commentary uh, for the 2005 version with Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. So that should be coming to the Real Nerds stream very soon. Yeah,
2: I still got to sit down and uh, get it all laid into the track and want to make sure that everything sounds okay, but it was a fun time. Like th- this is really Corinne's chance to let her knowledge fr- run free. So it was a lot of fun getting to sit in on it.
3: Um and it's kind of uh, how fast that movie went by too.
2: Yeah, it it, it was actually it, it, that movie's 2 hours and 8 minutes and it does fly by a lot faster than the like than than I remember it being when I rewatched it for a couple weeks ago, but it's, I think also part of it is since we're talking, that's also kind of helping the time fly. But, um, I will say that if we do another costume commentary, as I've been kind of calling it in the editing file, that it needs to be one where we're not doing it over Skype and whatnot, because it was the, that was the only difficulty in the whole proceedings, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. And as always, Donald Sutherland, amazing.
3: Yes. Um, I had a lot of fun. It was my first time doing a commentary and I would definitely like to do another one, especially if we do another costume, like period drama movie. Yeah. I, I really like our idea of doing uh, the 90s version of Sense and Sensibility with Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman in them.
2: It gives me an, it gives me an excuse to watch it because I feel like I'd seen it before, but I, but when I looked at the listing on it, I'm like, I don't believe I've seen this. So... This is uh, going to be a chance. And this is an Alan Rickman blind spot from me, so this will be fun.
3: Oh, he's so good in it. Oh, my Fair gosh. Uh, now I want to watch it. <laughs> um, so then the last thing I saw was uh, I've been, I watched the most recent episode of the Inuyasha sequel series, Hanyo no Hime, And oh my gosh, this show is crazy. Um, We are three episodes in, and, like, everyone from the main cast is still mysteriously disappeared. Although the theory was like, oh, why isn't anybody around? Why isn't anybody talking about them? Like, everyone's memories must have gotten erased. It's like, no, nobody's memories got erased. Well, actually one character, but they addressed that. But anyway it's so weird and complicated and I don't have time to explain it all but just just know that it is both equal parts exciting and frustrating for me. So it's kind of like my new blacklist. although no. I love it. I love it a lot more. <laughs> it's not as frustrating, but it's still. It's it's more frustrating because I'm like, where is everyone? Where 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 is Inuyasha? Where is Kagome? Is she stuck in the tree or what is? Go- Why is Kikyo the one that the sacred tree is using as? A- it's really stupid. <laughs> Can't Kikyo stay dead? Damn it. <laughs> anyway, that's you know, all. I'm <laughs> <watching>. <laughs>
0: you know, Rin. I don't know what the fuck you just said, but you're special.
2: I'm going to give you some special directions. Give me the map, Brian. Give me the map, Brian! <laughs> uh, Zach? Um, I watched a lot, so buckle up, boneheads. Um, after Brad, we were... what did you
1: watch this week? <laughs> oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, Zach? a lot of stuff. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, no. Um, after we were recording last week, I sat down and I rewatched Ghost Stories uh, from 2018 uh, as part of my halloween a um, i I liked it even more the second time, Ryan. I know you weren't as keen on it, but it was uh it I'm, this was a bind by that I was glad to participate in because it's uh still a lot of fun. I like the atmosphere it presents um, and I was a little bit more forgiving of the ending than I think I was the first time because like i I kind of saw it more through the emotional perspective of the characters and whatnot, but it still got a great reveal with Martin Freeman in it, and it and it's just a it's a it's a nice fun blast it's i was reading some stuff on it and it's supposed to kind of uh, emulate amicus films and i want to start looking at this in amicus films because i do not believe i've really sat down with many of those uh and then i did a poll on the website or not on the website on my own sites of which film should i watch bride of the uh, bride or not bride of reanimator reanimator or drag me to hell and by a vote of uh three to one Uh, Drag Me to Hell one, so I rewatched it. That movie's still a fucking blast, and still one of the most depressing slash amazing endings in a movie I've ever seen. Because she, the title of the movie happens. (laughs) Like, it's it's such a fun little blast of a film. There's only I didn't I hadn't rewatched it in a while, but there's only one special effect that didn't really hold up for me. And it's, it's when she's in her room and she, I think it's, she's pulling off a bug or something. And the, the CGI just looks a little bit dated, but outside of that, everything holds up completely. Um, and, and honestly, I like the way Raimi used clearly the techniques that he had learned on what you could do with computers in the Spider-Man movies and applied it to this film. Cause it's like, it's evident throughout the majority of the movie that like, there's a difference between what he was doing with the army of darkness film, uh, which would be the last real, like horror kind of movie that he made. And then this one. Um, so that's, it's interesting to kind of see the, 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 the last point, he did a horror to this one. And I, Ryan, I really hope he makes another one because I, I, I miss him doing these movies. Like I really, really do. Um, cause he seems to have a lot of fun doing them. Like, yeah. I, I don't know why you wouldn't try to continue to do that. I mean, yeah, I I'm but, sure
0: it's that he got paid $50 million to not make Spider-Man four.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's got a, he, I heard the interview. He's got a garden, man. You know, you've got to maintain that garden. Um, and then I did a creature double feature with creature from the black lagoon and the shape of water. Um, I hadn't rewatched the creature from the black lagoon in a long time. And I actually really had fun with it. Um, it's um The creature effects are, I used to kind of relegate the creature. It's like, oh yeah, this is a fun one. I'll probably watch later. And then I never go back to rewatching it. But the creature, the suit is amazing. The behind the scenes features were fun to listen to because you learn about the stuff underwater they shot states away. And then in uh, everything on land, they shot in the studio. And so it's a combination of the two and everything feels pretty seamless for a film in the early 50s. Um, and it 's a lot more um, it 's a lot more ambitious than I remember it being like it doesn 't feel cheap it still it still really works for what it 's doing um, and it and it kind of avoids some of the tropes of some certain fifties movies like there 's some actual terror there 's a lot of uh, there 's a lot of boundary pushing especially with that swim with julie newmar that 's obviously gone into monster lore. So, uh, or not Julie Newmar, or Julie Adams. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's still a fun watch. I wish I had a 3d TV to watch the 3d print of the movie, because it seems like that would be a lot of fun. And, um, I need a 3d TV and, um, I, Ryan, is it your in-laws that have one? They do. I'm going to break into their house. <laughs> No, Alright. No, I'm not going to. I just really want to watch that movie in 3D. I should have I kind of wanted to do it for House of Wax as well. Um and then I rewatched The Shape of Water, which I haven't watched in a in a hot minute, and that movie's still really good. Um and it Did you think it, it might not be? Well, no, I had it at number two on my twenty seventeen film explosion list, but I hadn't really rewatched the movie since the f- couple times I saw it in the theaters. I picked it up on Blu-ray because I knew I'd want to rewatch it and the the everything from the score to the story like this is like gear one of gear like it's in the top five of del toro for me in terms of what he's doing with it michael shannon's still perfect in this film like i i think that the movie honestly has aged better than i thought it would because once it won best picture i feel like it kind of disappeared from the discussion in terms of horror films or horror themed kind of films but I think it's a film that deserves to keep staying in the conversation. Um, I kind of want to see Criterion do something with it, but I know it's owned by a company that will never allow that to happen. Um, and then I rewatched the Phantom of the Opera from 1925. Um, I watched the 24 frame per second version for this particular screening and the movie still rocks. Um, I did kind of peek into the second disc, Ryan, which has the uh, 19, the, uh, the, um uh the 1925 version that has the footage back intact that was taken away from the 1929 version. And it sucks that that print doesn't look as great, but it looks better than it, than it ought to be. Cause it looks like that, that, that particular print was lost or like all they had was like certain like types of negatives for it, like, like show at home prints. So, um, mm. but it looked great on that Blu-ray and I listened to it with the, 1974 uh, Oregon score. I didn't listen to it with the new one, and uh, it was it was tons of fun. Um, and then uh, I kicked into the Friday the Thirteenth box set for the first four entries, so I rewatched part one, part two, part three, and part four. Um, I don't think I've ever seen part one look that good, like that. It it looked even better than the Blu-ray that um, Paramount put out, um, the one that I had for a while, um, and. It is still a fun movie. Part two is still a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with part three this time. I think I've just kind of settled into what the movie is. Um, I still don't really like Shelly, but it, it's fine. It's, it's what it is. Um, I guess three is one of the ones that might have a manufacturing error, but I, I think it's on, only on the 3d print. I, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah. Um, And then part four was still a lot of fun. That's obviously one of the best Friday movies ever made, but I also dug into the special features on it and they, they don't miss a beat. Like nearly everything is there that you could possibly want out of that collection. Unless of course you were able to put in crystal Lake memories, the documentary into that disc somehow, which you're not going to do. So, but yeah, I'll keep going through the series. Um, I have to call in replacement discs um, for, um, for the whole thing because i know that jason goes to hell and jason x have issues on him too but and yeah, then I mean, the no. last what
0: jason goes to hell is a two-second shot of a dude's wrist getting broken <laughs> and jason x is they're missing audio f- when the camp camp counselors are getting hit with sleeping bags
2: oh really <laughs> yeah uh that seems small but you know, if they're going to offer, if they're offering the replacement discs, I guess I already, I
0: already put in mine. I mean, if they're going to give them to me, I'm going to take them.
2: Yeah. That's, that's kind of my thinking. It's just like, why not? Um, And then for, uh, I did the secret history of Hollywood film club uh, yesterday. And I rewatched the movie mad love with Peter Lorre. Ryan, have you ever seen mad love? Mm -mm. I think you'd like this movie. Um, Peter Lorre plays a demented surgeon who sews on the hands of a dean of a of a knife thrower onto Colin Clive's hands. And the movie is Peter Laurie being a creepy doctor and Colin Clive sh- proving to people that he has awesome knife throwing skills. It's still a wonderful, uh, not like early thirties horror esque film from MGM. Like, and they're not a studio that would make a lot of horror, horror properties. Like mm. when they made freaks, that was their biggest gamble and it obviously didn't pay off for them. Uh, but this is a Peter Lorre film. I think you'd have fun with. Uh, he walks around in a fur coat and bald and and bald head, so he's uh, he's as creepy as Peter Lorre can possibly get. Um, so, and it's only an hour and seven minutes, so you're not risking that much. Um, and then the last thing I rewatched was The Raven uh, from uh, from 1935. That that movie's still a lot of fun. It's still not a great movie, um, but I really enjoy Lugosi in that movie. He's uh, He's a lot more. Um, he has more to do in that movie than he ever gets to do after this point. Um, so it's 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 a it's a blast. If you haven't watched The Raven or The Black Cat or any of the other Lugosi Karloff movies, get that Screen Factory Blu-ray and pop those things on immediately because those are some fun films. Not all of them are great, but a lot of them are fun. Um, and that's all I watched this week.
3: Uh, I thought you watched The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown.
2: Oh, that's right. I have to talk about this really quickly. So, my with my nephew, for the first time he watched It's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And my parents had it recorded on a DVR. I don't have a copy of The Great Pumpkin for whatever reason. That's my own fault. Whatever. We watched it. And... You know, my, my nephew's nearing three years old. I don't think he was as interested in it as he would have been if we had put on Mickey and the Roadster Racers, um, because that's a little bit more shiny and colorful and action-packed. Um, but he did take notice when Snoopy was fighting the Red Baron and his sopwith with Camel, so that made me uh, tear up a little bit. Um, but the thing I noticed, Ryan, on the TV version that they now air on ABC, um, and I guess I should have figured this, but they cut out a like a ton of like footage to get around that runtime of 30 minute time slot. Yeah. Like there's way too much missing. So that's kind of a like shame. What but it's 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 stuff at the tail end of most things because they're trying to cut away to commercial. It's not that it technically doesn't work. It just annoys me because I know that's not the full special. Like cause they're trying to pack in a 30 minute time slot with commercials that special is designed to be about 30 minutes or so. And so they cut around stuff to fit in the commercials that they're putting on there. So it really, it, 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 it it's too expedient, but all the great bits in it are still there. Um, I was actually like, I'd forgotten cause I hadn't rewatched the special in a while that, after Snoopy has his battle with the sock with camel, he's like, he's gunned down over France, quote unquote. And they show Snoopy going through like war torn, <laughs> war torn areas and foxholes. And I was like, this was for children. <laughs> like, So it's, it's still a lot of fun though. Um, I need to rewatch a lot of the other peanut specials and recapture those memories. Cause like, I remember liking Easter Beagle and I know I like the Christmas one. Um, but I don't remember the Thanksgiving one that well. Um, And uh, the Valentine one, I don't really remember either. So, but if I get Apple TV, I will have access to all those or I can just buy physical media as Ryan has already pointed out.
0: Um, Yeah.
2: And then, but yeah, but that was a fun thing to watch with my nephew. They then put on the Goofy movie afterward and I stayed until Polly Shore's scenes were done and then I left to go do more work. But that movie, the Goofy movie is great. And if you haven't seen the Goofy movie, what the hell is your problem? Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. And I think Polly Shore's best movie. I, I, I don't think there's even a debate on that.
0: Brad, what'd you watch this week?
1: Uh, a couple things. Uh, I forgot last week to talk about, I watched the season finale of the boys, which, you know, all season I was kind of wondering, where is all this going? Um, and I thought it wrapped up pretty well. Uh, like all the threads came together in a satisfying way and I'm surprised they found a way to put Homelander in check so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in season 3 and if you aren't watching that show you better be sometime soon yep don't don't get too excited guys (laughs) well
0: uh, I haven't checked it out yet so I don't know how to interject
2: I've heard that the boys is supposed to be good I need to sit down and watch it this is what I say about most TV shows I hear about.
1: Yeah, it's the second season that's very relevant to uh, the current times.
2: Ah, neat.
1: Uh,
3: wait, is this season two or season three?
1: Season two. They're, they're working on season three to come out next year.
2: Yeah, I still have to write it, Corinne. That's why season three isn't out yet.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're all in a graphic novel on the shelf somewhere, um, already written. Right. So these have to be made. So I think I'm gonna start checking out the comic, see what what's coming up because I need to know what's gonna happen <laughs> next. Who knows? Amazon might pull in Netflix and just cancel it, uh, even after greenlighting it.
2: Yeah, well, I th- it feels like Amazon lets their stuff try to win an audience first before they. Toss
1: yeah, they probably won't. It's like their first show to beat Netflix's numbers, so. Um, Yeah, So I watched that And then also on Amazon Prime I started watching um, Well, uh, I was sitting around thinking Man, I haven't seen a Nicholas Winding Refn film In a while What's he been up to since the Neon Demon When's that Too Old to Die Young show coming out And it's been out for two years (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As eight uh, feature films Disguised as a series (laughs) Um, I have only gotten through two and a half of the eight so far. And it f- fully leans into every Nicholas Wending Refn trope uh, that he is uh, celebrated for. Um, if you want like only the uh, stylish parts of all of his movies, this is the series uh, to jump into. Cause I think, it, yeah, I think it's eight, maybe 10, but I think it's eight. Um, but the thing that blows my mind is they're all like an hour and a half long episodes. Like they're all movies feature films and they're the slowest films you've ever watched um yeah they feel like three-hour epics um but it's a series and there's eight of them so it's this gigantic slow epic uh the first episode follows uh, miles teller is a cop in los angeles um he is just out on patrol one night with his partner um They pull over a girl who runs a red light. Uh, Well, she may not have because these two cops are just out to harass uh, young women and take advantage of them. Um, And while his partner has his guard down, um, someone comes out of the shadows and assassinates him and gets away. And then Miles Teller is left with... uh, you know, the grief of losing his partner, but he was also kind of a scumbag already both of them. So you're following like this jaded character who is also uh, at the same time sleeping with a 17 year old in high school. Mm. And yeah, the whole first feature is his perspective. And then the second one, you find out who the guy who shot his partner was and he's part of this. he's the uh, American like, uh, stepchild of this Mexican Mafia uh, family um, who's getting revenge because Miles Teller killed his mom uh, executed her in some kind of sting operation when you know he wasn't supposed to. He just decided to do it. Um, and then the one I'm kind of stuck on because I just kind of keep getting pulled away from it or falling asleep is uh, John Hawks is this retired FBI guy. And he is... he is, The episode starts, he's kidnapped someone and locks his keys in the car while he's in the process of dumping the body. So he has to abandon the car and go on the run while Miles Teller finds this new case. Um, and then there's like another gang that his partner was involved in and they recruit Miles Teller to start doing their dirty work for him because uh, he's indebted to them. Um, and one of the Baldwins, I don't know if it's Billy or, Billy or a da- uh, Daniel. Hey, Brad, uh, what sucks about being a Baldwin?
2: What? I think. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: that reminds me of something I watched this week. <clears throat> uh, yeah, he's like an art dealer uh, who's a, the father of – the daughter that miles tellers is sleeping with and the daughter tells him that this is happening. And so her dad starts blackmailing miles teller into doing stuff for him so that he doesn't get added as a pedophile. Um, yeah. So it's this. It, I guess all these threads are going to come. Oh, in the John Hawks one, uh, he's working for Jenna Malone who is part of some organization that takes care of things that I haven't figured out yet. So, a lot of a lot of places to go. Hmm. But yeah, it's stylish and super slow. But kind of cool. I'm going to keep watching it. Uh, and the last bit of TV I watched was the South Park pandemic special, <laughs> which was like, I've missed South Park being like, not focused on how great wheat is and more on like current events.
3: You know, Brad, I watched that a couple of weeks ago and I forgot to talk about it on here.
1: Cool, let's talk about it now.
3: Yeah, it's really like good and weird. I don't know. I haven't watched South Park in ages. And that whole storyline with the dad and the weed, I did not appreciate. But I liked everything with the kids in the school.
1: Yeah. Uh, Integrity Farms. What?
2: Is that Integrity Farms, the weed thing. Yeah. Okay, I saw like a couple episodes of it, I tuned out.
1: Yeah, I keep up with it when the DVDs come out. I don't really stay current, like when it's on TV or online. But it felt like last season was all just—I mean, even the intro was rebranded to just Integrity Farms Green Acres parody. Um, like, like as someone who's not into wheat, it's just like, okay, like I guess this is funny. Um, but yeah, the the pandemic special, like. Uh, it was just like a really, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a feature film. Um, there's like musicals and musical numbers in it. And uh, like all the overlapping storylines were great. Um, and just like, they did a fair amount of like bouncing between people's like different views on what's going on. Um, yeah. It was, it was just really clever. I, I, I've i kind of missed South Park being that clever.
0: I, uh. The, over the last couple of weeks, when uh, I get a headache or something at work, or I get annoyed, I watch uh, Cartman's song "Social Distancing" and it's in <laughs> a good mood. Yeah,
3: yeah, that was actually how I got onto it. I found, uh, I think, like it was advertised on Facebook that they just had, like, Comedy Central had that clip of the song, and I was like, "This is actually really catchy. I want to watch this now." And I half regretted watching it because like i said the dad storyline is bad
1: yeah randy's storyline is pretty disgusting but Mm -hmm. still kind of hilarious
3: (laughs) i didn't think it was funny at all but yeah everything with the kids was like surprisingly poignant i was like damn yeah the kids going through this today they're gonna have a rough time
0: yeah unless you're cartman and you're (laughs) you're cool with skipping school (laughs)
1: Yeah, and the fact that they tied like Randy's storyline back into—I th- think even just something from two seasons ago—was uh, pretty. Like, wow, that like that like it, that logically makes sense. Like, if this was the real world, that would just yeah be insane. Um, anyway, trying to spoil it too much. Uh, then at the theater. Oh, and then um, The Mallrats uh, special edition Blu-ray came out last week, and. It's funny we're talking about the Friday 13th uh errors, disc errors, but the Mallrats menu has a typo in it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It's like in the special features, it's like one of the um like archival things where it says like footage. It's got three mm-hmm. O's. Oh. So I forgot to screenshot it, but um yeah, I posted a picture on uh Instagram showing that like I never noticed that until now that you know Brody Stink Palm's um <laughs> brandy's dad but then he uh later shakes the hand of stan lee when he goes back to the mall i'm like gosh i hope he washes his hands at the dirt mall in between scenes or else he just made stan <laughs> lee really sick so yeah I,
0: I i got that and i've been meaning to watch it i haven't had a chance to put it in yet it's um it's the first kevin smith movie i ever saw i remember i saw it at a cast party when i was in high school um maybe in 97 and, um, Did you
3: just say you saw it at a cast party?
0: Yeah, I used to be in theater, Corinne. <laughs> um,
3: Ooh la la!
0: I, you got yeah, Ryan
3: I, the big shot here. Well,
0: Brad can attest. I used to be leads in plays and everything. I used to speaking of Greece, I used to rule the theater department.
1: Speaking of Greece,
0: yeah, I was in Greece. Thank you, Brad. Um, yeah, no, I. Uh, so that's when I started loving And who Kevin did
3: Smith. you play in Greece? Extra uh, I uh, played mechanic Vince Braun. Fontaine.
2: Ooh, really?
0: Yep.
3: <laughs> I don't <laughs> know are, who that is.
0: Are you ready for my radio voice? Do it. Here we go. Hey, hey, it's the main brain,
2: Vince Fontaine,
0: kicking off another top 40 countdown here.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just like I remembered it.
2: Uh, that, that, that did my heart good, Ryan. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>
0: It was funny, our, the- our drama teacher says he likes to cast people in roles that they think they are, and so he cast me in the role of the perv, so that was really awesome.
1: Thanks. Oh man, I got cast <laughs> as an executioner in Comedy Rares. i to kill people.
2: <laughs> are, there any, are there any videotapes of your theater career?
0: And he also cast me as Tybalt in Romeo and
1: Juliet, so he thinks I'm a
0: perv <laughs> asshole. That's basically
2: what he thinks I am. He's I was going to say, it.
1: didn't Vic Fontaine just grab ass that whole scene? Uh, yeah, he's really weird. Like,
0: that's a, a really inappropriate like character for high school,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do? Uh, so, yeah, Mal- Probably
3: Vince Fontaine, apparently.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mall Rats, the I didn't watch the film, uh, the menu looks great, so the I have to, I, I want to put the the universal Blu-ray up against the, to see the visual quality, but it looks like the Arrow one's just like, like RoboCop. It just looks fantastic. Um,
0: Yeah. I, when I read the uh, tech uh, specs of it on um, blu-ray.com, it sounds like Arrow went back to more of a film look to it where uh, Universal
1: scrubbed it digitally a lot. Yeah. I I imagine that. Yeah. Mm, Um, But yeah, I watched the special features. There aren't too many new ones. Uh, Most of them are just Kevin Smith sitting at his like office desk. Uh, like he's podcasting, um, kind of relating uh, stories. They do have a tribute to Jim Jacks, which I don't think is on the uh, Universal one.
2: It's probably because Jim Jacks died after um, after that release was made out. So
1: Yeah. And then, then uh, there's one with just Muse alone talking about his experience on Mallrats. Nice. And uh, there's one where they get like the location manager and um like a uh what are they called just someone from the background actors um and then one other person I forget their title but um uh, they couldn't get them like in the room to film them so they just like Zoom called them and then animated them. So
0: special features, pandemic special.
1: Yeah. So there's that and yeah. Uh then it has like all the old features I pretty sure carried over from the universal release so uh still a cool still a cool uh set and you get like the blueprints and the reversible cover art yeah the booklet i read the
0: booklet it, it, the essay and it's really good
1: oh yeah i didn't i didn't read that yet so that's good you should check it out i will
3: uh if you wanted to read why didn't you just get a book why are you getting a movie huh uh
1: you know what if i find the novelization of Mallrats, rats i will start reading it <laughs>
3: I have a novelization of mall rats?
1: Probably. If I'm they don't, go... Brad, write
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Just... TS um, walked down it the stairs and bonked his head. And Brody said, Touch not, lest ye be touched.
1: <laughs> um, uh, yes, do have... I've
0: seen that movie many times. I can probably recite the whole movie
1: verbatim. There is that deleted opening, like, super extended sequence that I'm glad they deleted
0: oh yeah the, with the, the governor uh, ball thing
1: yeah the attempted assassination like just sets the wrong tone it is for that film and just yeah like yeah i don't I get don't have to get into it i'm not a big fan of is it
0: jason or jeremy london
1: jeremy london uh throughout
0: the film i think he's okay but he still has one of the greatest deliveries in any film ever she's fucking dead <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I love that moment Man, I'm going to watch Mallrats then, I think.
1: <laughs> there is a Mallrats paperback. It's a companion. It's not an nice. obligation. So I think it's the one that Kevin Smith is holding up in the uh, bonus features whenever he references Mallrats. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and then at the theater, well, at uh, the drive-in, I guess, I watched uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. And all I can say <gasps> about it is... Uh, I'm a real estate agent.
3: Have you seen it before, Brad?
1: I did, like, I think when I was like on VHS when I was working on Hollywood Video, um, but I, I didn't remember much of anything from it. And this time on the drive-in, it was so dark of a movie, I couldn't see anything going on. So uh, I saw Dracula get stabbed at the end because <laughs> the sun was setting. That was the only like light part of the movie. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: But I think about it, that is a dark movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, uh, uh, film-wise.
1: Yeah, it's always like in a castle in someone's bedroom, or it's like in a, yep. in a bar somewhere. and Yeah, a lot of natural
0: lighting from candles and things like that.
1: Yeah, a lot of candlelight. So, uh, but the drive-in owner said they were working on getting a laser bulb instead of just the ones they have right now, so hopefully next season's projections will be a lot easier to see it's really plagued like a lot of dc movies there mm. um, yeah uh, and then the last thing i saw was resident evil the final chapter nice also at the drive-in <laughs> and yeah that is the end of the that series
3: <laughs> was it a little easier to see
1: yeah that, that was brighter because uh alice is out in the daytime for most of it
0: Hey, Brad, when you were watching it, was the uh, quick cutting and the editing really annoying to you? Because I rewatched <laughs> it recently, and the quick cutting was very noticeable.
1: I, I It's funny you mention that because I literally sat in my car going like, is each of these cuts like the same length? Like if they just spread out a timeline of clips and just cut them all at, they have to be just a second each. Oh, easy, easy, yeah. if that. <laughs> like they, they would go back and forth with the same shots. Just, over, just to make it look like it was more action-y than it was.
0: Yeah, I don't know what, because I actually am. I I do like uh, Paul W S Anderson. I think he can direct action, but for some reason that film is, whew.
1: yeah. The, the story is more c- coherent than Retribution was, but um, it's just it's still more the like, you know, they go underground and they fight stuff like it's different levels and um. There was something and then I con- thought
0: the end for the uh, zombie plague was really unsatisfying where you break a vial and they all just drop dead.
1: Yeah, the, like, I was like, okay, so by the Umbrella Corporation didn't want this thing getting out, but they had the cure the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> c- and then okay. why didn't they
0: just release the cure? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like right away. They probably wouldn't have had to hide all those billionaires in the basement in cryo storage. Okay. Um, yeah, I yeah, that, I guess that's the whole secret is they released this so that they could like cleanse the earth of all the poor people. Um, yes. Uh, seems like a really I don't know roundabout way of doing things. And then like the virus is based on like any other movies did they say that it came from testing it on whoever started the umbrella corporation's daughter and then
0: Nope. I think that's a, it is a plot point, I think from the games, but I can't remember what game maybe, uh, code Veronica. I'd have to go back and fuck. I haven't played the early games in forever besides the remakes. So
1: yeah. And then it's the, that young Alice program that alerts Alice into this whole plot. Like when she trying to destroy her, like for five movies, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Just one day, she
1: wakes up and decides, "Oh, I, I want Alice to help me, so I can be yeah. the hero." Yeah. Um, yeah, and then like we were saying earlier, like the last movie ends at the White House, and they're like fight, shooting all these zombies from like the the rooftop, and then this movie just picks up. I guess at some point, she and Wesker just like got away from each other, and then she's yeah. just walking the wasteland, uh, fighting dragons I guess zombie (laughs) dragons
2: (laughs) I can't seem to figure out a way to do more Mad Max can we just have Alice and Mad Max team up eventually
1: (laughs) Um, that's some news we didn't talk about Uh,
2: oh yeah yeah the Furiosa thing yeah uh,
1: and then it's not even the final chapter because after the whole movie tells you that you know Alice has if she releases the vial like she's infected and if she releases the vial with the cure, she'll be cured, and you know if you have the T virus, she'll be killed. So she'll die. So she, the whole movie, you're thinking she sacrifices herself, and then she lives. And Program Alice is just like, I was testing you to see if you could sacrifice yourself. You're you're just fine. There was no danger to you at all. And she goes on like, riding off in the sunset. Like there'll be another one.
0: Yeah, fighting more dragons.
1: Yeah, because it takes like six or seven months for the virus or the cure to spread across, you know, the world. So I'm like, okay, well way to leave yourself open open to a sequel, I guess.
2: That we'll never get, because they're rebooting it.
1: But also calling yourself the final chapter. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't know this was a book. And what, the other what, five titles were cooler.
2: What what have we learned from anything called the final chapter? Anything. <laughs> I know Saw's coming back as Spiral that, that's, that's not even not, I mean that Friday the 13th like you can't anytime you say the final chapter you doom yourself to an entire franchise and billions more dollars So.
1: just like the title Rise they should retire the final chapter from any titles
2: yeah oh you know what we should next week should be Real Nerds the final chapter and then we'll guarantee ourselves not only more episodes but more money <laughs> I should
3: have called the paid? the Rise of the <laughs> final chapter <laughs>
1: I should have called the sixth episode of the pod show The Rise of the Final Chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. You've had season two already. Do it. Ryan, what did you watch? Uh, I actually didn't watch hardly
0: any. Well, I mean, I watched five things. I watched uh, Friday the 13th, part one through five. Um, Yeah, you know, I I really have fun going back and watching them. Uh, The first one, it looks stunning. I I cannot believe I'm saying that about a Friday the 13th, but the... The new 4K transfer uh, evened out colors. It made it uh, clearer.
1: Um, I've spent so many years watching the DVD version that this version just blows my mind. Like, yeah. I see the stuff that I saw in the game that I never noticed before, like the landscape and the layout. Oh, yeah. Man, they really studied this movie to make that game because this is exactly how it looks in the game, which I never saw before because it was just crushed blacks.
0: Oh yeah. And I even pointed out uh, on Twitter that on the fireplace, they have stuff written uh, like I like Ike and things like that um, that i never noticed before. So it, it, it was fun uh, reliving it. I still think as I'm watching them, you know, back to back to back to back to back, uh, I'm really starting to come around to part two being a really great uh, sequel.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think the last, cause one, it won it. It, I mean, it moves very quickly. And I think the last 30 minutes are pretty uh, ruthless and unrelenting. Oh,
2: yeah. Um, uh, I, I
0: love uh, the Jason in it. Um, it part can- three uh, is big because he gets his hockey mask and it's in 3D. It's fun. I, I don't think it's the best one. Um, one, because like I always get creeped out by – I love the final girl in it, Chris. But I, her boyfriend is really creepy to me.
2: Oh, the, the mountain guy? The, yeah, the...
0: like, she just walks into the house and he starts making out with her and groping her.
2: And she keeps saying, give me space, give me time. Like, dude, take this hint, please. I know, he's,
0: well, I guess I'll take a cold sho- uh, shower. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. He has one of my Good. most
3: favorite. Then do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, he has my favorite death in, like, this, one of my most favorite deaths in the whole franchise where he gets his eyeball squeezed out of his head yeah Um, and that's
2: oh that's the one thing i noticed is like in the in the paramount releases i wasn't seeing this as much in these new scans i'm seeing more clearly the wires where the eyeball is going down a rail (laughs) they talk
1: about that on the special features Mm -hmm. like that effect and how you can see it now
2: yeah and um uh one thing i noticed in in um uh, in Friday one was like, I could hear clearly the radio uh, station playing as the first girl is walking into town before she goes into the um, convenience store. Um, but in part three, Ryan, like I had a question for you as a Friday expert. The guy who gets his head bludgeoned in, in the stable and then comes back to give the the, the the time needed to finally hack away at Jason. How is it possible that he's still alive? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i mean he only gets hit in the head but then but, he comes back for like two seconds to get his hand chopped off i mean he's but, not really that effective
2: but i saw like more than three hits to the head off screen rather but like the the implication of it it seems like he should be dead
0: <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> I, yeah no i it's what yeah you know <laughs> i think one of my favorite recurring tropes in friday the 13th is jason throwing someone through a window <laughs> 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 uh yeah it's fun i i i mean his mom did it in the first one
2: yeah and
0: then he just continues it uh, i can't remember if he does it in part six i should know i don't think so i don't um, believe
2: because like it, and also at that point they're rebooting a shit ton of stuff in there like well
0: i mean he does have the greatest throwing someone through a window in freddie versus jason when he literally drags them through 10 windows
4: yeah
0: uh, <laughs> but uh you know uh Part uh, 4, I've said this before, I don't know if it's my favorite Friday the 13th, but I think it's the ultimate Friday the 13th. Um,
1: Yeah, it's my favorite.
0: I think Jason is really mean in it, and he's unrelenting. Uh, Chris McLover's great in it. Corey Feldman is really good in it. Um, You know, I I just like it. Always looking for the corkscrew.
1: Yeah, it's like when I tell people, like, Batman 89 is, like, the ultimate batman movie to me it's like the same thing with part four it's just like it encompasses everything that i like about that whole franchise in one movie
2: yeah I, I i think if i if you had asked me prior to coming on this show like coming on to pot to real nerds i probably would have said either the first one or the fourth one but ryan really got me into six like Re- ryan really pushed uh jason lives into my skull so like because no, that I mean, one I mean,
0: jason lives time. is still probably my favorite sequel um but right now, like mine, probably goes six, four, and then two.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: like I said, watching two again, I I I love the pace of it. I love how unrelenting it is. Um, it's
1: really sad. It's like, just. Uh, it's really sad. Like I didn't know, like uh, why Adrian King wasn't in in the sequel because of the yeah. whole stocking issue. Like that's tragic.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's it was really bad, like super bad. It's crazy.
2: And she. Um, and- And it's a twofold because they didn't like they they weren't going to weren't they also not going to pay her a shit ton or whatever it was like.
1: Well, the other sad part is like they didn't clarify to everyone else why she couldn't make it. So um, she found out like on Wikipedia that um, someone had written that she was being a diva about not coming back and not getting paid enough, Uh which wasn't true. She just uh, had, you know, she didn't feel safe coming back.
2: Right. I mean I know that in Crystal Lake Memories they talk about the stalker thing but then they also talk about why she's barely in it too so um,
4: yeah
1: she's she's on camera in her own words like at some panel talking about like yeah I read this thing online it's not true I wanted to come back I just it was dangerous for me to come back with the whole situation going on so gotcha.
2: the, only, the only thing I wish that they had on those is like if I don't know why Steve Miner won't do interviews but I really wish we had some Steve
0: he's Minor. on uh, the special features
2: I didn't see anything listed with him in there. Damn yeah, in there. I
0: mean, it's like a, what? It's like a 35 minute interview with him.
2: Okay. Then I didn't look hard enough. I need to look. I'm pulling it it's on the
0: bonus me. discs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the bonus the part two, like extra gore kills are pretty great. Um, which were really infamous. And then they show up. There's no sound because they're sourced from VHS. Uh, did you watch those, Brad? Uh, I don't think I did. It's Ron. called like sla- slash scenes. So like the the dude in the wheelchair, man, it's brutal. And then the two kids that are in bed that Jason spears, he stabs them over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's,
1: it's it's a special feature on the two Blu-ray. Yeah, it's on number yeah. two. It's yeah, called it's, slash scenes. Is that the one where the like cop gets hit in the back of the head with a hammer? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I must have been looking away.
2: Yeah. No, I I watched I watched them Ryan. there. It's amazing that they even have them. Like that's oh, yeah, that's, that's astounding.
1: And
0: then uh, yeah, and then I watched part five, and that one I is just not good. Yeah, I, I just think it's actually a really obnoxious movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, but I will say it's not remastered at all. But now that it's on a Blu-ray of its own, it gives it more room to breathe. Uh, the best part is at the end when Tommy's looking at an his imagination is materializing Jason in front of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the makeup on Jason is really great where uh, it they added in the scar from him getting his hit in the side of the head with a knife. And um, so that looks great. The rest of the movie is I can deal, do without. I, I, I try to watch that movie once every couple years. And every time I do, I, I always say, why am I putting myself through this fucking
2: movie? Deep down, you want to know what happens to Roy. You really do. Like, yeah, no. uh,
0: like, and the direction is so bad And it. I can't. Every time did, I watch it, they really don't show people dying. They show a reaction of a face, and then a holding up of like a knife or a butcher knife or something.
2: Yeah, and then they they choose instead of the violence to just show more boobs and whatnot, which is yeah, like, it's James
1: definitely is, gratuitous. Um, James isn't here, so I'll I'll ask. Is that the porn one?
2: Yes. <laughs> Wait, wait 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 no this is the porn one on the boat in space that's right i remember
0: love it so yeah i'll probably finish the rest of them this week and that's all i watch this week
2: wait
0: um this week two of the nerds went and saw honest thief God damn brad it. should people see honest thief
1: i hate you. <laughs> you keep making me pay for movies i don't want to watch well, uh, hey i
0: said we could stream something and you said no we should go to the theater
1: because uh, I thought you, we were all going to watch a movie in the theater. If I know only two of us are going to do it, yeah, I would pick a streaming movie. Uh, yeah, Honest Thief. Um, you know, it's it's not the worst thing I've seen all the year, but it's definitely kind of the most questionable motivation type movie I've ever, like, why? Why was this movie made? That's I want to have this get made to answer why this movie was made. It's just... Don't it's, you
3: think Liam Neeson's tired of playing the same character? over and over again not I, if you I get would paid to so I guess
1: <laughs> I mean he, he's kind of in a movie actor jail right now so I guess he's got to yeah. take what work he can get but um, it's just so derivative of everything else he's done and then just, just the plot of this like uh, we'll talk about it later what he says to like justify himself being the hero I'm just like oh my god who wrote this <laughs>
4: Zach.
2: So, um I, I mean like I, I I didn't really bring up any objection into the um into the thread to see this. I, I was just following orders. Um the uh that's
1: what the nazi said.
2: I know. So I'm I guess I'm no better than them right now. Damn it. Um no, um uh you know no, that's not that's these are two the one's a more serious issue, this one's just honest thief. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Um I think this is um uh this is quite possibly the worst thing i've seen in the theater this year or streaming this year i i rolled my eyes more than i care to imagine throughout it um this is not the i don't i know why this movie was made because there's a market for it i'm just astonished that it's as pedestrian and just flat out boring as it is like this is a boring movie um and we'll get into it because like i I hate when i'm able to predict every single thing i don't mind being able to predict a few things but i predicted every turn in this movie is like i didn't have to go to the theater for it i could have just guessed the wikipedia synopsis and then read the wikipedia synopsis um and uh, and he looks like he's just bored to tears in this movie so
4: so yeah don't go see this here's the trailer. I've robbed 12 banks in seven states. I have a little over $9 million in cash. And no one knows who I am. Federal Bureau of Investigation. I want to turn myself in. I want to make a deal. What kind of deal? I hand over all the money I stole in exchange for a reduced sentence. It's important. And what's so important about it? I met a woman. I want to be with her for the rest of my life, without lying about my past. Special Agent Hall, this is Special Agent Evans. Where's the money? The man is telling the truth. We can take this money for ourselves. Let's do it. Whoa, whoa, I'm turning myself in. FBI, open up. What exactly is going on? (laughs) Let's go his real name is thomas dolan former marine demolitions expert he needs to come clean i'm not a bank robber anymore with the murder one charged for killing one of their own the feds will come after me and keep coming if those two crooked cops are willing to kill another agent what are they capable of doing to you and me my girlfriend she had nothing to do with this agent Evans. I'm coming for you. Do what you have to do. Ah! Knowing how to blow stuff up, that's uh, pretty cool. Evans. I want to clear my name, which means I need a full confession from you. Five. Four. Three. Two ready to confess
1: Liam Neeson is like the smartest thief but also with the most naive person ever yeah Um, like,
2: like as if he thinks that he has way too much trust to the point where it's cripplingly astounding
1: I kept waiting for him to like have the surprise double cross on the cops and it never comes. He just constantly trusts everybody so much because he's the honest thief. Um, He he gets like other people killed because of his (laughs) uh, good intentions and yeah. uh, I wish Ryan had watched this so I could get your perspective on how they uh, treat the corrupt cops in this movie.
2: (laughs) like they are they are obnoxious like 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 the, the stereotype of the dirty cop in this is like so overt, like it extends beyond like there's no pathos there's no there's no room for any kind of like like nuance with these guys like it's they are just like cardboard villains, um like one is super super bad, and the other one is kind of bad, except he regrets it and whatnot, so like he's the weasel in the group or whatever um and also. Amongst the amongst the cops in this movie, Brad, like, what was the fucking deal with the one Bostonian cop and his fucking dog?
1: What was I, with his I, accent? Like,
2: well, he's clear Boston. That's straight up Boston right there. But, no, like,
1: no, that was like, I want to do a Boston accent, but I keep like dropping it and coming back to it.
2: Yeah, well, he's like, he's trying to lay into that accent ish too thick, but like, that doesn't bother me. Whatever. They it's said- like the
1: director's like slightly off screen, going like. Okay. Too much Boston. Okay. Back it up. A little less Boston. Okay. Go back to more Boston. Can't Can't you find,
2: find, can't you find a middle ground? Like, you know, figure out like which part of the part of Massachusetts you're from. Um, And, but like, again, what's the deal with this dog? There are so many, it's a dog that this guy got in the divorce while his wife got the house, which he
1: has the same storyline as uh, Liam Neeson's girlfriend. Yeah. Kate Walsh, like so I'm like, okay, when are those two plot lines gonna coalesce? Um that would,
2: that would have made that would have made sense. It would have been like convenient, but I would have been like, okay, that's something. Except it's nothing. It's literally nothing. So why am I cutting away to multiple shots of this dog looking sad?
4: <laughs> yeah, what the, kind the of
2: do- dog is it? It's like a is it a corgi kind of the deal? I don't know. No, it's like, not a corgi. It's a Shih Tzu. Sorry, so it's Shih Tzu thingy. Yeah, I think it's a Shih Tzu. Yeah, it's a Shih Tzu thingy. Uh,
3: so, like, it's not even like a cute dog.
2: Oh it's a cute no. dog. It's... I mean Shih Tzu's are cute, but this one's uh... kind of like a not he actually I'll say the Shih Tzu's the best actor in the movie because the because he's doing exactly what he's told to do and he's actually making me believe he's a cute dog. So I guess props to the Shih Tzu dog in this movie. Um,
1: he definitely you know, warms the audience's heart when this film desperately needs it.
2: When when he when he's looking when he's looking down at when they after everything's wrapped up in the final shot and he gets the envelope with the confession from the cop that uh, played along with him after he beat him with a hammer. <laughs> um, he uh, uh, he's listening to the recording and then there's a shot of the dog looking and tilting its head and I'm like why are you cutting to this in the middle of this scene that's already redundant? This, like, I think this movie was just trying to fill its runtime. Like I, I will say this about the film. It went by super quick. So it's not like I was sitting in an two to two and a half hour emaciated mess.
1: Yeah. It's but- like the script was, there's the story of a thief who uh, means well, and he's only a thief because he wants to get back at the system for ruining his dad's life um mm-hmm. and he he does the stealing for the thrills and not so much the money like he's never spent any of the money he's stolen so he's a good guy and then they're like okay this is a pretty generic script so yeah, the producers are like okay well we can put these pieces together we get Liam Neeson on it people will think it's a taken style movie are successful then get it out there and we'll make our money and yeah that's it
2: it, it it has all the trappings of like the moment i saw the trailer i was like this feels like a canon movie like that just canon came from the grave and made this film and charles yeah. wasn't available not that cheesy no like, but like but because you're right because I, I, that's what i thought when i saw the trailer when i watched it I'm like oh no this is just a sloppy ass mess like it's not even fun like there's nothing like all the car all the car chases and like shootouts are super pedestrian like it's nothing there's nothing to it um and i i don't know i just kind of felt like i feel like the entire course of the film is just like everybody's like super. there's nobody's like everybody's on super extremes like either they're super good or they're super bad and there's no like middle ground or like indication that Liam Neeson like actually has a dark side like they try to justify every single thing he does and it's just like like there's a shot of him just making home explosives and Kate Walsh goes like it's pretty cool and I'm like this is gross (laughs) like He's making in, uh, he's making his own IEDs. Like that's kind of a weird thing for your boyfriend to be doing. But well, we find out that it's just a dud. Yeah, yeah. I he's know. never gonna blow it up. I know, but still, still kind of a weird line to have it. Like just go, like, yeah, let's titillate the audience with more uh, love of making IEDs at home. But well, when uh... they
1: actually show up to uh, Jai Courtney's house and she's like, you know, watch this explosion. Like, what you do is actually really cool.
2: just <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm actually kind of turned on by this.
2: He's like, why? (laughs) He's put, he, and also, oh, that scene in the playground when he's trying to, when he's, she's saying you need to be honest with me and he's clearly not understanding what the, what the, what it means to be honest in a relationship actually means. Like I was kind of dumbfounded in my chair at the Alamo going like, what is this movie? Um, Yeah, I agree, Brad. How did this maid should get this? We hate, we hate movies should tackle this. There's a whole there's a whole slew of podcasts that should be talking about
1: it. this thing. It's it's not so cheesy that it, like would work for how this is made? I just like I want to know like how people read the script and were like, oh, this is impressive to me. Uh, like I want to go back to the beginning where Liam Neeson just calls up the uh, FBI and tells them that he wants to turn himself in. Um, and then is baffled why they don't believe him just because he called in and told them that he's the in and out bandit. Um,
2: really annoyed by that.
1: <laughs> so Robert Patrick is like, cool, I'll, you know, I don't believe you, but I'll send my guys to check it out. So he sends his guys. And then Liam Neeson's like, okay, uh, you know, I do have some proof actually, because um, you're, you're telling me what Robert Patrick didn't. Uh, and that's that, you know, I have no evidence to prove that I am this guy. Uh, so here's the key to my storage unit. Like, he's so trusting of, like even the police, just like they're infallible and they'll just always do the right thing. Even though he has like nine million dollars in a storage unit, <laughs> it's like why is he like why is he surprised at all that they try to double cross him? Like, yeah, and and then when they come back and they threaten to kill Liam Neeson and Robert Patrick, Patrick shows up. And, like, he walks into the room and Jai Courtney already has, like, the gun in his hand. Yes. <laughs> and, he, and it's, like, a minute of Robert Patrick, like, looking at Liam Neeson and then back at Jai Courtney and then his partner, like, what's going on here?
2: Like, there, there's, there's trying to play up suspense and tension, and then there's just being stupid. And this movie does the latter. Like, it's just... I...
1: Yeah. And then when Liam Neeson gets chased down by robert patrick's partner um and they have that tussle like in a church foyer yeah um and he has to like explain how he's like you know how everything isn't of his own making um it's just like this guy's everyone just like really trusts each other like way too much
2: yeah it's it's and, and also oh and also the the uh the cop who ends up helping, him, like, he's on the phone. He's just like, okay, well then what can I do? And I'm like, dude, you, your character should clearly be still trying to apprehend this person, regardless if he's correct or not. The fact that you're not offering to help him suggests that this, there is not even a, a, an iota of reality logic here. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. And then after like, Everything that happens to Kate Walsh, she's like, okay, I'm going to go back to the storage unit to get the secu- security footage, even though he told me, like, get out of town because I just watched these guys stalk you and try to kill you. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, I'll just go back and risk my life again. And then, she, you know, she gets assaulted. And then after all that, she's like, I'm still coming with you to watch the bomb detonate. <laughs> it's like, have you learned nothing?
2: No, no. You're, you're no, like, he- you're a
1: liability to him now. Like, you're just going to muck it up
2: not only that on top of that it's just like lady like i don't know what you think this is gonna be but you need to get out of that get the fuck out of dodge now like this has gone way out of hand
1: like and and then to finally get the upper hand Liam Neeson has that guy's partner wired so he can get the confession from him
2: which i called a mile away because i'm like of course he's got the only way he's going to get a confession is if he gets this guy to do it and like also him beating the shit out of him with a hammer in his garage. Like I was just like, this, this yeah, is going way too weird. <laughs> the,
1: the way his partner's acting, you're like, okay, he's obviously trying to get the confessions at him. Like that's, that's how the dialogue sounds. And it's like, how did you not know this was going to end with, you know, Jai Courtney having like another gun and taking him hostage. Like you should have like not like Liam Neeson didn't have to be in the room. Yeah, to do this. Like his partner could have just been there and and said the whole thing and then left. um But because Lee Mason, he, being there exacerbated everything and got him killed. So
2: it, there's there's not a lot of logic to what what the choices that are made.
1: This is like so more for suspense, like because they couldn't think more creatively.
2: Yeah, and like and, and was this movie PG thirteen or R? I couldn't tell. I don't know what they were going. Yeah, I don't know. Like don't know. it. It seems like it's so tame that it's crazy, but it also feels like it's way too intense like for anything PT-13. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Like,
1: Yeah, I don't I, think anyone really swears, and there's not no. a ton of blood, but Robert Patrick just shot like 20 times.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah um and and there's a lot of there's a there is a lot of cheesiness by the end with the whole like um like i'm ready to turn myself in turn to your left and whatnot i'm just like oh well at least at least i can go home now
1: (laughs) i got a question ryan how do you handle people who want to turn themselves in
0: how they want to turn themselves in well if they show up but turn themselves in then i put them in handcuffs and take them to jail
2: so you the don't. entire, the entirety of honest thief was a big run around for nothing.
1: You're, you're not suspicious at all. Like you don't like, Hey, keep your distance while you handcuff you or nothing or like no. stay in your car, you know, will come out to I mean, it you. De-
0: I mean, it depends on what they're turning themselves in for, <laughs> but if they came to the police department, like, Hey, I'm going to turn myself in. No, I just put them in handcuffs and take them to jail.
1: Okay. So let's say someone robs the first national bank of Idaho Springs.
0: Okay.
1: And they're like, I stole $9 million. Uh, I haven't done it in like a year, but I want you to have the money and I will do, t- you know, t- two years, you know, can I, can I get a reduced sentence of two years?
0: Well, if that's not up to me. That's going to be up to the judge. Which I the don't do sentencing. Said.
1: I just charge people stuff. The movie was clear about that. So that's correct. And so um, how do you, how do you apprehend them? Like, do, do you, do you go to their hotel room? and collect them or do you make them come to the station
0: i would probably make them come to me okay because i would never go into a place where they said they're turning themselves in especially if it's uh like a bad guy because i'm not familiar with where i'm going so i would make them come to me and
2: that's why key. robert
1: patrick
0: is dead see
2: yeah oh yeah and also dumbass t-1000 <laughs> I did think it was weird when he went when he said to Liam Neeson over the phone, "Have you seen this boy?" Um, no, uh, he died Yeah, I was gonna say there's uh th- there the way they get around that whole like disbelief thing is to be like, "Well, this is the fifteenth person that's called in." Be the In and Out Bandit. Oh, and by the way, he hates it when you call him the In and Out Bandit. Like he's really friggin' frustrated that well, he got this stupid nickname. Well, what and would, would like, you like
1: to be called? I don't know, actually.
2: Yeah, it's, like, it's like if you hate the name then why are you bitching about it if you can't come up with a better one like even the best thief movies where they have a label for them in the paper the, the actual thief will be like no I'm actually this and like that name is bullshit and I'm like, that's something that could have been there, but instead they make him go I'm like, I, I, I don't really know. I'm just, I'm just a guy. Like, I, I just, I just want to be with this girl. I swear, that's all I want to do. Did uh, they give well, him the
3: clearly? He doesn't like the nickname because it bad mouths his sexual performance.
1: Heyo. <laughs> Did they give him the name, the precise bandit at the end? <laughs>
3: I don't know.
2: <laughs> like, that was one of the names that was bandied about. <laughs>
1: like, like the, yeah, the guy with the dog was just like, you're really precise about everything. I should start calling you the precise bandit. I think that's something they said.
2: Something like that. They were like, well, you're precise and proficient or whatever. Like, whatever it was. And they're like, we'll just call you the precise bandit. Like, that was a line. Um, yeah, no, this is... And, oh, and also, when the, when the two cops are digging through his storage unit and they're, like, going over the morality of this, like, the dialogue going through that scene was like everything you expect, every, everything, like every single possible logic point that's so obvious is just in there. There's nothing to like, I don't, I don't learn anything about the guy who's apprehensive and his family, which is clearly important to him, but it clearly doesn't matter to us, the audience, because we're seeing almost none of it except for that one scene where he's in bed with his wife and she's like, I can feel your energy. Tell me what's wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, and then the
1: and when she the, rolls over and says, he's like, "I wish I could just uh, learn to be calm." Like, where did you like, where did you get that uh, like mantra from? And she's like, "I learned it from you." You're like, "Oh my god!"
2: Like, like, not only is that eye rolly, but also it's like, "Well, cool." That would have been an interesting emotional scene to set up this person as a character because right now he's not a character; he's a trope that runs through the story. Um, yeah, no, this yeah, this was. This was and, disappointing.
1: And how awful that like he does the right thing and he's the one who gets like
2: slaughtered. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's. If this movie were fun, I would have forgiven the cheesiness. Like, because I would have been like, yeah, but I had a blast. The actual fun or whatever. Like, this, it's like, this it's like the movie
1: saying like, you know who's worse than like this guy who kills uh, his fellow cops and who's worse than the guy who uh, steals from banks? <laughs> this guy who's right in the middle. <laughs> and, <laughs> For it's, for a moment in his life, uh, he does one bad thing and gets the worst of it.
2: Yeah. Cause he's, and he's fucking peer pressured into it. That's, like, the whole thing. It's just, like... And, like, and now, like, Jai Courtney is, like... And also, by the way, like, I think I've... My if there was any possibility of me trying to defend Jai Courtney, I don't think I have any good legs to stand on at this point. Like I, it's not, it's not anything against him as a person. It's just like, I have not seen anything of him that convinces me he's worth watching right now. And I know that sounds mean, but I just like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I guess the pay, I guess the pay must be very good for, you know, getting, he, he is certainly good at being a jerk. I just but like it's just like yeah but like I wish you could do this in a better movie somehow. Like
1: <laughs> he's a pretty good Captain Boomerang.
2: He's fine in that, yeah, too. And I don't I don't hate him in that Genesis movie. The Genesis movie itself is my problem with Genesis. Um but yeah, I don't know. This is uh Yeah, this was uh this was this was a stinker.
0: <laughs> oh, right on. Uh <laughs> so, so when are you going to go watch <laughs> it, Brian? Um <laughs> When is it going to be streaming on Hulu or Amazon? <laughs> um, Did you get caught up we'll on doing... On the Rocks yet? <laughs> uh, next week we'll be doing uh, Film Explosion 2010. So send us your list for your favorite films of 2010 so we can share them with you. And uh, yeah. Thank you guys for uh, taking that one for the team. <laughs> Until next so week.
4: Hard.
2: Brad and I have to go to our emotional support group for people who have watched His Thief. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast.